Good morning, good morning. Y'all doing all right? Good. It's great to be with you guys. Hey, I wanted to make sure everybody knew that this week we are relaunching House Church. The reason everybody's hype is because House Church is the party that never stops. It's, it's, it's where it's at, man. And we are really committed to um, doing church in a way where we can really share life together. When you read about that early church in the book of Acts, that first ever church, what they were really marked by was sharing life, sharing their money, sharing their time, sharing their resources. And so that requires smaller groups where we can sit around, small enough groups where we can sit around a a dinner table together or at least fit into a living room together where we can share life, study the word, get in God's presence together. And so that's launching up. Uh, this week. And um, one exciting thing is this, we are, uh, all of our house churches are now going to be multi-generational moving forward, all right? And so um, for a while, we've had kind of young adults doing their thing. They're, you know, they're young and hip, kind of too cool for school sometimes. And so uh, they've been seeking God faithfully and wholeheartedly as a young adult crew. And so we are going to uh, scatter those young adults into our other existing house churches. So shout out to the young adults because you guys, we, we are blessed. We are blessed because of what you guys have stewarded as a group, as a community. And uh, really, we just felt like, man, all of the life that is happening in our young adults, we need the rest of the church to be able to benefit from that. And so what you guys are bringing to our house churches is a gift and a blessing. And, uh, and, and, and shout out to you guys for carrying that. Amen. And so today, if you're, if you're newer to our church, so like within the last six months or so, or if you've been around but not been able to connect with a house church, today, right after church, we are having an on-ramp lunch, all right? And so this will be a time for us to share a little bit about house church. We're actually going to walk you through how we do house church. So you're actually going to experience it, right? A little, a little early preview of what it is um, and, and try to connect you as best we can to um, to our house churches. And so that's right after church. Do we have the details? Awesome. So it's going to be at our house, which is just three or four blocks that way, uh, 3231 Jackson Avenue. And uh, we'll feed you and discuss house church. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be with you. So make sure to be there if you're able. All right. Today, um, I have more of a practical word for us. And so I just want to continue what we've been uh, talking about together on Sundays in regards to our vision as a church. And um, Chris is going to jump here up here in a minute to um, help me as well. Um, and so throw up that statement. We've been putting this in front of you each week um, of what, what we feel like God's called us to do uh, here in New Orleans. As Antioch, New Orleans, what specifically... Do we feel like God's called us to do and who's, he, who's he's called us to be? So this is what it is. We are building a kingdom community of wholehearted disciples who bring heaven to earth. Can we read that together real quick? Say this. We are building a kingdom community of wholehearted disciples who bring heaven to earth. All right. And so I shared this uh, a few weeks ago, but in, in this statement, 
um, you kind of see three of like the essential things that every human being needs. The first is belonging, right? We all long to belong. So that's what kingdom community provides. It's awesome that the church provides that for us. Secondly, we all have a sense of a need for identity. Who am I? We're all wondering that. Who, who am I? And, and so our identity is found in the context of the local church, that we are becoming wholehearted disciples. That's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. And the third is, is purpose. Every human being needs to have a sense of purpose to feel fulfilled, to feel a sense of joy on this earth. And we find that in the context of being the church together, that we realize that together we are able to bring heaven to earth. In other words, to advance the kingdom together. Amen? So it's just, it's just so fun to me that this thing that Jesus dreamed up and cooked up called the local church, it's, it's where we thrive. It's where we can flourish. And um, it's, it's his plan A for our lives and for the globe, for global transformation. I really believe that. So together we are becoming a kingdom community. This happens as we individually, point to yourself, as we individually become wholehearted disciples. So the container is community. It's this kingdom community called Antioch that God's called us to be a part of in this season. And, and what makes up that community is, is you and me living as wholehearted disciples. And so next week we'll talk about bringing heaven to earth and what that means, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a, a big thing to unpack. It feels a little, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Ethereal? Is that a, is that a word? Abstract? Yeah, I'll stick with abstract, and, and, and I'm not that smart. I'm not going to go with the word. I don't know what it means. Um, so next week, we'll start to break that down. This week, um, I'm continuing what Lena talked about, being wholehearted disciples. And I, I want to talk specifically about if we are going to be wholehearted disciples, there's an essential piece that that includes, and that is to make disciples. Amen. If we are going to be disciples, it means that we are people who make disciples. She shared last week this word disciple. It's, it's like a church word. Like raise your hand if you've ever used the word disciple outside of like a church context. That's what I thought. So what, is this, what does this word mean? Well, it, it means learner, right? And, and, and um, more specifically, literally, it means sitting at the feet of a teacher, that's what a disciple is. It's someone who, who sits at the feet of a teacher to learn. And so if we are to be wholehearted disciples, I want to just break that down one more layer. And you can pull up that first um, phrase. As wholehearted disciples, as we sit at the feet of Jesus, this is the first thing that, that we're learning as we sit at his feet. We're learning to love and be loved with our whole heart. That's, that's the most critical piece. We are learning to love him and be loved by him with our whole heart. Our shorthand for that is presence. We talk about presence, transformation, mission. So if you're taking notes, write presence. This is, this is what we mean by being wholehearted disciples who prioritize presence. The second thing is, 
is as we sit at the feet of Jesus, we're learning to surrender and yield our whole soul. Our shorthand for that is, is transformation, that, that we are on this journey of learning to make him Lord of every area of our life. It's not enough just to pray a prayer when you were a kid or, or you know, have this moment of surrender. Surrender is, is ongoing. It's, it's a journey of identifying the places of our hearts and wills that are yet to be surrendered, right? That are yet to be yielded. And, and as that happens, as we do this, he transforms us. He changes us. He sets us free. We start to think different and see life different. Amen? The third thing is that as we sit at his feet, this is what we're learning. We're learning to let our whole life be an overflow of the kingdom. Our shorthand for that is mission. So you see here, presence, transformation, mission. As wholehearted disciples, this is what we're wrapping our lives around. This is what we are leaning into as we sit at his feet. This is what the, the atmosphere of our soul we want to, to um, surround with and be focused on. And these are the three things that make us wholehearted disciples. Now, an important reminder, it can't be said enough. I believe we've said it four weeks in a row. When you hear the word wholehearted disciples, do not let your first thought be doing more. So most of us, we grew up in some sort of church context, some sort of religious context. So we, because of that, most of the time we are far more used to being conformed by external pressures than an internal presence. Are you, are you with me? So, so most of us are far more used to being conformed by external pressures than we are by internal presence, by God changing us from the inside out. Now, religion, all religion is, when we use that word, it's just the systems and structures of our faith. So religion in and of itself isn't a bad thing. It's neutral. It's, it's, um, it, and it can actually be a powerful motivator, but it can never change us. Only, only love can change us, right? Only God's love can transform a human heart. Religion is often in our culture fueled by guilt, right? So many people in our city are hustling to church every Sunday because they feel guilty if they're not there. That will never change you. It's powerful enough to get your butt out of bed and get you to church. But, but you will be the same for year after year after year because religion will, will never have the power to transform us. So when, when we as as Christians put the emphasis on external behaviors, replacing the simplicity of sitting at his feet in this loving relationship, we've missed it. And there's no power there. Right. And, and I've, we've probably all been in settings and cultures like that. And um, religion says do more. I want you to catch this. It's not about doing more. It's about understanding more what's already been done. So when, we, when I use that word identity, when it talks about wholehearted disciples, that we are learning our identity, that is so critical. It's so key 
for you to know from Scripture, from the truth, who you are in this new kingdom, right? Who you've become. So, so we're, not, we're not trying to do more. We're, we're, we're first growing in our understanding of who we are in this new family, who God calls us, what our new identity is because of the life, death, and resurrection of our King. So, so there's a lot we will do. But the doing always comes out of the being. Dom actually said that during worship. She must have skimmed my notes, cheating a bit. Jesus said it like this. First, he's talking to the Pharisees, clean the inside of the cup. Then the outside will also become clean. Right? So, so it's not what you do. It's, it's who you be. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, who you be. So let's stop, let's stop being impressed with each other's like spiritual accolades and spiritual resumes. Let's not walk in here needing to prove something and act like we have it all together. I want to know who you be. All right? Who, who, who are you becoming? Yeah, the doing will come, right? And we'll hold each other to that as well. But too often, and we have to harp on this, harp on this because of our context because of our culture we have to relearn how this thing works i um i've been um working on my golf game lately it's not funny um so so this is just kind of a funny illustration so i've been trying to get into golf right some some buddies in the room are doing it with me and um it's it's easy and it's extremely difficult to get into golf um, it's the worst hobby to have if you have a full life. It's, it takes so long and it's so expensive. But in all that, I'm pretty committed. I'll tell you that. I'm pretty committed. I took all my birthday money and I spent it on a few new irons. Um, I've, I bought some new clothes, right? I got a Nike dry fit polo. Uh, I got a, a hat. I got some shoes. Um, and so I've kind of become immersed like into this golf world. And, uh, you know, even on my algorithms on IG or YouTube, it's all golf, right? They're just, they, they, they got my number. They're just lighting me up with golf videos, swing videos. I'm getting ads for golf. And um, every, like, every time I'm just, like, standing there with a pause, I'm practicing my swing. You know, like, how's it look? How's it look? Not bad? I need a straight and left arm. Thank you, Matthew. So I'd say it like this. At first, I golfed. Now I'm a golfer. All right? Now, now I'm a golfer. And so it's not just something I do anymore. I'm kind of like immersed in this world of like, I'm a golfer too. How about that? Got the clothes. I spent the money. I'm learning. This is what I'm getting at. We aren't just converts to a religion. It's more than a Christian name tag we wear around. This is to be who we are. Are you with me? So the kingdom is not something we do. It's not just something we're a part of. It's, it's to be who we are, right? Jesus used the language born again. So we need, to, we need to think of it less of like something you have membership into and more like this is now who I am. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom family, 
right? I have new brothers and sisters in the kingdom. This changes how I think about life, how I think about money, how I think about sex, how I think about work, right? And so as we journey through life, learning our identity in this kingdom, what happens is that we start to become more like our teacher, meaning we begin to live like he did. We become more like him, and we begin to live like he did. We begin to do what he did. So all of you who have been all anxious the last couple of weeks because we're not talking about the deed side of things yet, hang on. Here we go. What happens is, is the doing flows out of, of our desires starting to be more like his desires. I, I desire to pray because my desires are starting to change. Right. I, I, I read scripture not because I know I'm supposed to. It's because slowly I have a hunger and a desire to be in this book. Right. I, as as I as I allow him to transform me, my desires start to change. And so do my actions in my lifestyle. They begin to line, align more with who he was and how he lived. Jesus wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly loved his father, right? His actions and his lifestyle followed suit. They aligned with who he was. He lived his whole life to advance God's kingdom, right? So, so out of this internal connection with God, this, this place of sitting with his father, being loved and loving him, he was able to do so many things. He, he changed people. He changed atmospheres. He, he healed people. He sent demons fleeing, right? He made dead people get back up out of who he was. His ministry, hear this please, his ministry was not an obligation. It was not a to-do list. It, it was the overflow of who he was and what he had in regard to this connection with his father. He allowed the kingdom to be established in him so that then it could overflow through him. Can somebody say amen? Acts 10.38, I love this. It's kind of a mission statement type verse of who Jesus was. I believe this is uh, Peter um, in Cornelius' Cornelius house. And it says this, Acts 10, 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is who Jesus was, so this is what he did. This is what he li his life looked like. He did good, right? He did good things. He walked in power. Because of who he was with his father. So it overflowed. So back to my golf analogy. So now, because I'm a golfer, because I enjoy golf, I have the outfits, I have the clubs. Now, I'm trying to make all of you into golfers. I'm trying to make my kids into golfers. If you've hung out with me in the last few months, I've probably asked you, do you like to golf? Right? This 
passion for golf kind of just bubbles up out of me, right? Lena is so annoyed, I can tell you that. So as we fall more in love with Jesus, learn to walk with him, love him, and be loved by him as we learn to yield our whole soul to him, the natural trajectory of someone who lives that way is that it would then start to overflow to the world around them and to the people around them. What happens in us is meant to flow out of us, right? It's meant to like kind of bubble up out of you. If I were to squeeze you, what's coming out, right? It's, we want kingdom to come out. We want the fruit of the spirit to come out. This is the natural flow of the kingdom. So the moment that this whole thing becomes about us, and just us being transformed so that we can be a better person, and it stops there, that's where the power of this thing gets blocked. And that's where you've seen so many people just kind of stall out in their spiritual journey or just kind of get bored or just kind of lose the momentum because for whatever reason, whether it was a lack of teaching or a lack of studying the word, the the flow was, was, was cut off. The, the natural flow of like everything that's happening in here is then supposed to overflow everywhere I go to everyone I'm with. If that gets cut off, so does the power for us to continue to grow and be transformed, all right? So it's, it's you guys know the Dead Sea analogy. So if you look at a map of the Dead Sea in the Middle East, you'll look at a picture of like an oval lake with, with different uh, water coming into it, different rivers, different aquifers flowing into it. Because it's the lowest lake, it has the lowest elevation of any body of water on earth, nothing can flow out. It all comes in and just gets stuck. It gets locked in. So anybody who knows anything about water and, and how nutrients work could look at that map of, of the Dead Sea and see that that amount of water coming in and the lack of water going out will be extremely problematic for any sort of life to exist. Are you with me? And so, so the same is true for us. Just as we can measure, everyone focus here, just as you can measure the amount of life in a body of water by the amount of overflow or outflow, so can you measure the amount of life in your soul by the amount of overflow. This is critical, guys. So as a church, are we going to be a dead sea? Or are we going to multiply this thing out? Are we going to be a church that, that overflows? To pull a term from a few weeks ago, are we going to koinonia? Are we going to share as they did in the early church? To share Everything we have with those around us. Of course, we're going to start with those in this room, but it does not stop there. It cannot stop there. Everything happening in our lives and in us as a community is meant for those who aren't yet in here. This is, this is what we see Jesus' life was like. He, he had three years of ministry. Acts 10 told us in those three years, he's walking around. He's doing good things. It's not bad to do good things. Actually, it's how Jesus lived. He did good things. He healed people. He walked in power. It was the overflow. Now, now, 
This is important. The whole time Jesus is spilling over with the kingdom into everyone around him, the whole time he's overflowing, you look around him and he's got these 12 knuckleheads with him everywhere he goes. Right? These 12 dudes. They're with him everywhere he goes, all three years. In fact, he didn't even start his ministry until he had most of them recruited. And and so for three years, he models to them how to overflow. He models to them how to do good, how to heal the sick, how to walk in power and bring the kingdom. We have a kingdom of power. And then through his death and his burial and ultimately his resurrection, he gives them access to everything that he had. To everything he had. One of the last things he tells them, it's all right, guys, now you go do it. Now, you, now, now it's your turn. Here's the baton. It's your turn. Let's look at this together. We go here a lot, Matthew 28. It'll be on the screen for you. We're going to start in verse 16. You can turn there if you'd like. The Great Commission. 